Hi friends, welcome to the Truth Applied Podcast. My name is Rebecca Ann Perkins. I am a full-time Christian speaker, Bible teacher, and master life coach. This podcast has undergone a few name changes, but if you know me, you know my mission has not changed. For more than 10 years, I've been following the call to help you understand the truth, which means good biblical theology, and apply that truth to your everyday life. We use a bit of life coaching, a bit of counseling, real stories, deep vulnerability, to make truth move from your head to your heart, to make it impact your life. In this day and age where culture is pulling us in a thousand directions and giving us a thousand empty promises, where self-help and self-reliance and self-worship are on the rise, we are a community of women who know better. We know that Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. But life is hard, and we've got some lies we believe and some hurts we need to heal from. So that's what we're here to do. I am your place where every Monday you can bank on getting truth and really practical truth at that. Thank you so much for being here today. I love God. I love depth. I love you. Let's get to the episode. Hi, friends. Welcome back. This is part two of my conversation with Christian psychologist, Dr. Tony Cooper. If you did not listen to last week's episode 119, I would highly recommend that you go back and start there because today we jump right in mid conversation. <laughs> um, I ask her a question. I start with the question, what is toxic guilt? And we just get rolling from there. But you've missed out on a lot if you didn't listen to last week's. So go tune in to 119 if you haven't yet. And please enjoy our conversation today. I know that I sure did. I'm going to be a guest on her show in the next month or two. And I'll be doing an interview about emotional intelligence. So if you can't get enough of me and her talking together, keep an eye out for that episode. I'll share that with you guys when that comes out too. All right. Enjoy this. I want to pivot a little bit to the topic of guilt. Uh, I work with a lot of all of my, not all, most of my clients are women. And, um, but I work with a lot of people who deal with guilt and shame. Um, what is toxic guilt? That That's a topic I think that you specialize in. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? So there's, there's guilt that we should have. We do something wrong. We say something bad and we get it straightened out when we apologize to the person or we confess it to God. Then the Bible says mm. we're, we're clean, that we're washed clean. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we have a way to, to have our guilt or shame removed. Mm. And I use the example with people of going through the checkout line at a store. If when I go to the store and I'm checking out with whatever I bought, I say, how many times do you go through the checkout line? I only go through once. I don't get in line over and over to pay for something. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. So if Jesus paid for our sin, it makes no sense to keep getting in the checkout line to pay for something or to say, hey, was this paid for? So first we need to know if we're living in a state of chronic guilt, if we go into a state of guilt and shame, that isn't coming from God. And some people are surprised to know that. They assume that every bit of guilt, it must be from God. Mm-hmm. And that isn't what the Bible teaches either, that it says our conscience can condemn us even when the Lord doesn't. I think that's in Hebrews. Mm. So that's where we need to, right? (laughs) There you go. He'll condemn us. Yeah. So that's where we need to look at where did I learn this attitude that I'm bad, that what, if I say, I'm sorry, that's not good enough. So that's where we look at if there was the silent treatment or super harsh punishment growing up. Usually it comes from something like that, a super critical authority figure. And so we may need to go back and first we need to identify the root, choose to forgive the person who created that environment. Mm. Maybe it was deliberate, maybe it wasn't, but it really doesn't matter because forgiveness is a choice, not a feeling. Mm. So we uproot that through forgiveness. And then we- uh, Can I pause you there real quick? Sure. Okay, because- Another argument I've heard from some Christians is that, you know, we don't need to talk about our childhood. We don't need to talk about our past. That's, that's all head shrinking stuff. That's not essential, but the way you just described it was subtle, but powerful, which is we're only talking about those things to figure out the root and uproot it. If, if it has created a spirit of condemnation in you, the power of being able to identify where that condemnation comes from, that it's wrong that it, you know, isn't biblical and then forgiving that person for it, which really acknowledges that it was wrong. Right. That has the power to, uh, um, really reshape a person's mind or the way the voice in their head that's been condemning them since they were a child or making them feel like, you know, saying I'm sorry, isn't enough. So on and so forth. Um, so yeah, I mean, the the wisdom of being able to say, I'm going to pull this up by the root so that it's gone forever is really all that we're doing when we're sitting around and kind of, quote unquote, digging into the past for a bit, right? Right. I say that what? quickly. Absolutely. When people want to over-spiritualize, I like to take out a couple of scripture that say, hey, that's not what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. So Jesus talked about taking the ax to the root. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah, one of the condemnations of the religious leaders was they said, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Mm -hmm. So when we pretend, hey, I don't have to look at that. I think that's more fear of, I don't know what to do with this. So I'm going to pretend it isn't there. But Psalm 51 talks about The Lord wants us to know truth in our innermost being. Mm -hmm. So if there's things we're not willing to look at and they're keeping us bound, well, then (laughs) we're not not addressing. In your, yeah, in your innermost being, you're forsaking that freedom, really. Yeah, the Lord is pretty thorough. So when we just want to stay in one place, we're actually fighting God. Yeah. Oh man, I love that. Talk to me more but about. we 
Say more. We need the (laughs) we need the courage to go into some of these places with the Lord. He goes with us. We don't go by ourselves. We're not going there to wallow in it. We're going there. I mean, this is sort of gross, but I use the example also of nobody likes to throw up. But if you have the flu and you feel sick Mm -hmm. and you just are miserable, sometimes after you throw up, you feel so much better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there are things we have to kind of purge from our souls. Yeah, I totally agree. I use that analogy all the time with my coaching clients who suppress emotions in general. Okay. They just numb out and they just move, they stay busy and they, and then all of a sudden they're anxious and they're depressed and they've got all this stuff they've swept under the rug. They don't take time to constantly and consistently, I should say, um, feel what needs to be felt and resolve their emotions. So it's all piling up and now they feel sick, you know, and there you go. You literally have to, our emotions are not always true, but they are very real, physically real. And the, the process of purging them, which again, depending on how you think about that analogy, it is. Yeah. Gross. Even an eating disorder is yeah. sometimes is purging an emotion oh, it that is. is not getting attention. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and I've become, I mean, so used to journaling daily or kind of if I have a, an anxiousness or a fear or a, an anger take over me, like I have to deal with it very quickly. I, I mean, within, if I'm working, you know, I can get through a speaking engagement. I can get through the day, but probably within about 24 hours or so I need to like get alone and write it out and journal it out so that I can keep my baseline of, of not swallowing. Like the moment I feel that I have to kind of swallow something. I mean, if I do that too many times in a day, I'll get a, I'll get a headache. If I do it too many times in a day, I'll get um, an upset stomach. What, what is your take on, on that, on people swallowing or suppressing emotions and how that affects us? Yeah. Uh, what you're describing is, is makes perfect sense. Sometimes I use an analogy of a closet. You've been shoving stuff in the closet year after year after year, and pretty soon the door won't close anymore. And you don't know what's wrong. (laughs) And I feel so mean saying this, but I'm like, well, no, let me ask you, is, is that because they were just raised that way? I mean, is this, yeah. or just you, emotions aren't important. They're too big. They're too scary. We ignore them totally. I mean, is that what we happening? don't talk about that? Yeah. We don't talk about that or, you know, pull yourself together, whatever a family might use that, well, you need to think positive. I mean, even in, even in Christian environments, it's like, well, you're, you know, that's, that's, fleshly you need Mm -hmm. to get out of that it's like uh well jesus wept you know so i mean we're designed body soul and spirit so any dimension that gets ignored is going to become a problem but if we're raised where we don't talk about it where you're shamed if you're not perfect where uh, you're weak if you have emotion then you're not going to value and respect yourself And I love the idea of journaling. I really encourage people who have trouble uh, identifying, putting things into words. 
I encourage them to journal. And sometimes people say, well, what do I journal? And I have a very, very simple technique is I have people rate four things on a scale of one to 10. One is the best, 10 is the worst. And I ask them to rate themselves how they're doing that day in terms of depression, stress, irritability, whether it shows or not, Mm -hmm. and guilt. Mm -hmm. And so as they see, maybe they even have trouble, you know, bringing a number to it. That means you're disconnected from your emotional self, your authentic self, all those things need attention. And then if you notice one of those is high, maybe write about why that one area might be high that day. So a person begins to recognize, oh, this is falling out of the closet. Maybe I should pay attention to it. And then I can decide what to do with it as opposed to push it back in the closet. Mm -hmm. Then we unload things and we become free. Mm -hmm. That's how we become free. We don't have these, these resentments or shame that just gets stored up year after year or the the sense of rejection that just gets shoved into some dark place in our soul. Mm -hmm. The Lord wants to unpack that too, so he can restore us, but we can't be restored of things that we can't even acknowledge. So you mentioned it a couple minutes back saying that just some people think just to have emotions is weakness. Yeah. And it's not. Okay. So let's say we have an emotion of rejection, for example, like, you know, I was single till I was 38 years old. I'm 41 now. So I have been married two years, but I experienced a lot of rejection in my twenties and thirties. Um, and when I would experience rejection, it could go one of two ways. It could get personalized. And, um, I could start to think that you know, Satan could use it to make me think there was something truly deeply unlovable about Rebecca. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. a dark place in the soul to hold on to that rejection. Or I could journal about it and let God speak truth over that real emotion, right? It was a real emotion. I was sad. I'd gone through a breakup. This guy who said at one point liked me, apparently didn't like me anymore (laughs) for who knows what reason, right? It's a lot to sort through. Yeah. Um, but bringing that real feeling, I mean, I, I never thought I was weak for feeling rejected. Like I was really rejected and it hurt. And so, you know, bringing that real feeling to the Lord and saying, Hey, restore this, speak some truth over this, bind up my broken heart. And then I would realize, you know, he would get me to a point where it's wasn't you. It's not you, Rebecca. It's my timing. It's my plan. It's not that guy, whatever truth he would give me to help me not, you know, swallow that lie and, and feel that lie forever. Um, you must be pretty healthy. (laughs) Well, I just feel so bad. I mean, there's so many people who are like, it, it seems to be one of Satan's biggest tricks to me that, that people think emotions are weakness or that, um, there's no answer to our emotions because, man, woman, child of all ages deal with these feelings of, of yeah, rejection or fear. Um, I'm sure you could probably rattle off a whole list and Jesus has an answer for all of them. Like Jesus wants to 
comfort. He wants to encourage. He wants to heal. And when we just swallow them, we're not giving him an opportunity to minister to our soul. Like it, it seems like such a shame to me. I, I wonder when when we get to heaven, if there's going to be a bunch of Christians <laughs> that God's going to be like, I mean, I think he's going to be, okay, you're free now. You know, we're in heaven and all is restored and made whole. But it just, it's sad to me that a lot of this damage was done in the home, right? As, as children. Absolutely. We learn a process of how to deal with emotions. And if your parents don't know how to deal with theirs, they can't teach you what to do with yours. Mm -hmm. And so it, it just becomes an area that gets ignored or shamed. Mm -hmm. And so when people hit adulthood and they know something's wrong, but they don't know what to do about it, they don't even understand this is the process to label, talk about, think about, and then release it. People don't even get that there's a process to do this. And so that's a lot of probably what you do. It's a lot of what I do. Let's talk about it. What are, you know, mm -hmm. what impact did that have on you? Are there still things about that that bother you? And then maybe even just talking about it, they see it differently, or I can give them a perspective. It's like, okay, well, I get why you felt rejected, but do you see how that guy is nowhere near ready for any kind of significant attachment? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't. About and then it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, yeah, that had nothing to do with you. He was not my, as my grandma would have said, he's not good enough for you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But sorting through all of life's experiences, you know, kind of as they go and finding the truth. My ministry is really all about the truth will set you free. The truth. And the truth is what does, what is the truth in this scenario? What are the lies in this scenario? Um, you know, similar to your idea of, of having people live fully alive in Christ or, or life without baggage, you know? Yeah. Um, and when we notice that there is a gap between what we say we believe, what we tell other people to believe, and what we experience, yeah. we know, okay, there's some kind of a distortion operating here yeah. that needs a little bit of attention. And that's really all it has to be. It doesn't have to go deeper than that. It doesn't have to turn into, I'm a bad Christian, or there must be something right. wrong with me, or yeah. I guess I'm just stupid, or why can't I figure this out? Because when I, not all, but some of my coaching clients, when I deal with them, you know, that's so their inner voice that just getting past that, just getting past the, the performance-based kind of operating system that they have, or the guilt-based operating system that they have, so that we can actually do the work, you yeah. know? <laughs> so that we can actually do the work is 90% of the battle almost just getting them like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing fundamentally wrong. So what if we're sorting this stuff out? Why is that a big deal? That doesn't make you less than, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Being human is very messy. Yes. And so if we think that there's something unusually wrong with us because we feel messy sometimes, or there's parts of our soul that are messy. That's what it means to be human. Until we get to heaven, there's stuff that just isn't entirely right. Mm. And so we do the best we can. We try to grow. We try to be honest. We let the Lord work on us. 
Um, we let him love us mm -hmm. even when we don't feel lovable and he transforms us, but it's one step at a time. But that stuff that goes on in your head where you're ashamed, embarrassed, uh, disgusted, those reactions. Okay. So again, those were experienced someplace a little too often. And we want to forgive the individuals who put that on us. They didn't understand how to parent. They didn't know how to deal with their own issues. And so anything that a parent or a teacher or a coach wasn't good at themselves, they're not going to be able to give to you. So if you were fortunate enough to have healthy, emotionally healthy parents, I guess God's going to expect a little more from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, but it's it's easier to it's easier to understand though that we all have things to work on. We all have areas that are wounded, that are broken, but yeah. we all have strengths and we all have gifts. So we yeah. don't want to live in the uh, focus on dysfunction because that can become like a preoccupation and even uh, a kind of a weird sort of an idol where yeah. we make yeah. mental health our idol. It's like, yeah. well, any, again, we don't want to focus so much on ourselves that we're yeah. not really worshiping the Lord. We're not engaging in life. Mm -hmm. It's sort of a balance. There's a certain, if your arm is broken, you need to focus on getting well, but you don't want to always be focused on how you're functioning. Yes. And I have heard that as well as an argument from some people that it's too self-focused. If I just sit in the, you know, an office or pay somebody to talk about myself for an hour, how's that? That's not biblical. That's not going to make me feel better, but you just nailed it. I mean, we don't even need to dive into that anymore because the whole point is, you know, working on healing yourself is different than making mental health an idol. It's different yes. than saying all this coaching or counseling is going to save me. It's not going to save you, but it will help you. <laughs> it will help. It will give you some tools. It will give you and, some and tools. We, yeah. And we need feedback from other people. And I try to be selective of when I need feedback. There are certain people I know love me and will be kind in whatever they tell me. Mm -hmm. But the people that judge me, condemn me, make me feel worse, I'm not going to confide in them. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Totally agree. So you there's used, that selective vulnerability again. Yeah. You used a phrase five minutes ago that now I can't remember. I should have written it down. I'm going to have to rewind it. Um, when you were talking about how just messy it is to be a human. Oh yeah. And if you think there's anything wrong with you because you're just a human and it's messy, you know? So I, I just wanted to call that out really quick and say, we were in small group last night reading in Hebrews, I believe chapter two where it talks about God making humans a little lower than the angels and crowning mm -hmm. them with glory and honor. And I think holding the space for both of those things, like realizing our, the glory, the honor, the image of God that we bear, the worth, the value that we have, but that the very definition of being human is that it's a, we're no, we're complex and a little messy and, you know, we're not angels. We're not God. We're also not animals, Right. Like right. we, are, we are such a unique creature with so much value, but, and at the same time, so much complexity. And that's, 
not a bad thing. And that doesn't surprise God. And that, you know, that mm-hmm. lie that we would, that we would somehow have to be perfect or not have that messiness or that complexity in order to have the honor and value is like, where does that come from? It comes from Satan. Um, but I mean, what is freedom to you? I think we're kind of dancing right around. Like what is, what is freedom mentally, emotionally? What does it feel like? What, what is it? I would say freedom is living in an authentic way in connection, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be who God designed you to be. And at different phases of life, that's going to look differently. But we have gifts, we have assignments, we have relationships where we are built up and we are encouraging somebody else on the journey. If you think about the Wizard of Oz and how they, the four of them and the dog traveled together, each of them had something wrong with them. But it didn't matter because they were on the journey, they were going together, and they could sort of compensate for each other. And that's how we're supposed to be. We have certain people that are part of our inner circle. They know us. They love us. They'll help. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. That doesn't mean we pretend it's not there but we can be a support to the person who has more trouble with logic or the person who has more trouble with emotion Mm. that we can balance each other and progress together on the journey. Mm. So freedom is I can be myself while Mm. I grow. I'm empowered by the Holy spirit. I'm not hiding from people. I'm not hiding from God and I'm growing And I'm satisfied with who I am and what he's doing through me. Did you like write that definition in a book somewhere or did that just come out of you? No. Would you write it down for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got down. I can be myself while I'm growing and I'm not hiding from God and I'm not hiding from other people. Yeah. Um, and, And you said more, but that in and of itself is, you know, beautiful and perfect. And, you know, the, I can be myself portion, the living authentically portion, the not faking it, not pretending, not trying to be what other people are expecting us to be. I think that's where a lot of people desire to get to, you know, I think a lot of women, men who call you, call me understand and realize they're not being authentic. They can sense that they're disconnected or faking it or not living wholeheartedly or whatever other phrases you want to use. Um, if there's anybody listening today who feels that way, do you have any strategies or, or first steps for them? What would you say to them? Well, I, I think if, if you can identify where it started, that helps that Babies aren't born with all these fears and sense of inadequacy. They're born wanting to connect, wanting to be loved. You know, they lift their little hands up. They want to be picked up and held. But we learn to hide. We learn to withdraw. We learn to disconnect. And maybe we even have attitudes. Well, there's something really wrong with me. 
I'm a burden, whatever that looks like. So as we learn to approach God to get that sense of value and worth that maybe people didn't give us, or maybe aren't giving us right now, that I'm, as you were talking, I was sort of thinking about it as, as maybe a garden. You know, the Song of Solomon talks about a garden, and I know that's connected to a marriage, Mm -hmm. but we are told that we are the bride of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it as a garden and you can be walking with the Lord in that garden, and maybe the Lord gives you a flower or maybe you're hungry and he, you know, picks some grapes for you to eat that As you encounter him, as you spend time with him quietly each day, he wants to feed you from that garden. It's not a bunch of rules where here's where you messed up. I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but maybe some of you remember the the episode on Festivus where Mr. Costanzo, he designed a holiday we're on Festivus. He tells everybody how they messed up that year. Okay. So that's not how God views us. No. <laughs> God delights in us and he wants us to feel connected to him, to feel loved and nurtured. He died for you. I've never had anybody die for me other than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And so he died for you. So if he died for you, He's interested in not just what you can do for him. He's interested in being, it says your friend, John 15, Jesus said, I call you my friends. And so learning how to draw from that friendship with Jesus, Hmm. his encouragement, like you said, you asked him, what's the truth, his encouragement on how he sees you, who you are. And so people will disappoint us, hopefully not all the time, but people will disappoint us. And so we need to learn to draw on who God says we are, Mm -hmm. what our purpose is that he designed us for. I know I am living in my purpose. This is what I was born to do. Not everybody gets that opportunity, but There are ways to use your gifts and then start to connect with people who will celebrate you. So that might be in a Bible study. It might be in a support group. But if you weren't valued and celebrated growing up, or if you don't have anybody in your current sphere that is appreciative, then you need to find a little group where you are going to be encouraged where you're going to be appreciated, where your gifts are going to be pointed out, where you're going to be encouraged when you want to try something. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you take a step in that direction and see what happens? That we need that encouragement from the Lord and we need that encouragement from other people. Mm -hmm. If not, we're going to be defined by the world. Mm -hmm. What the world says we should be like this year, it's going to change next year. And it was different last year, what the world (laughs) says we should be like, or we're going to be defined by our pain. We want to be defined by the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then what other people do or don't do becomes a little less dramatic. Right. 
so I wrote down, you know, if somebody's looking for a place to start that truly intimate, getting quiet with God and letting him, as you said, feed them from the garden every day. And I wrote down, connect with people who celebrate you, try to surround yourself with people who, um, encourage you, see you celebrate you. Those are wonderful tips. I don't really want to wrap up this conversation, but we've been talking for almost an hour. So I think I have to, but okay, I'm probably going to have you back. <laughs> that would be wonderful. Um, but as we start to wrap up, uh, let my people know about some of the books that you've written and where they can get a hold of your stuff. Well, my website, you can find everything, drtonycooper.com, Dr. Dr. Tony with an I, Cooper. Uh, I have a free ebook right now on understanding your dreams. You can use your dreams to help you understand things that are stuck. Sometimes the Lord speaks to us through dreams. So um, that's one of my free ebooks. My most recent book, which again, you can find everything on Amazon and my website will take you to Amazon or to my uh, YouTube channel with where I have videos on coping skills. Uh, My latest book is on anxiety, depression, and helplessness. Mm -hmm. I give a lot of tools on recognizing the impact of different experiences and then changing how you talk to yourself so Mm -hmm. that you see the nuts and bolts. I, I really try to help people with the nuts and bolts. Okay, so if this is what I'm saying to myself, this is how to talk to yourself differently. And once you get the process, it's pretty easy. Um, It's, it's not that hard. It's just a process. One of my other favorite books that I wrote is called correcting distortions in your view of God. I spent a lot of time and that is one of my passions on recognizing where these distortions come from Mm -hmm. and how to release them. And coming, coming out of agreement with things that uh, attitudes, judgments against us, maybe different types of sin that we were in bondage to, mm-hmm. um, different kinds of religious experiences that are really from the dark, they're not from the light, mm-hmm. that we want to uh, pray over those things and release them, separate ourselves from those things. So that book goes a lot into that. I also wrote a book called Life Without Baggage, which is the same name as my podcast. And in that book, I go more into the nuts and bolts of things to pray, how to pray forgiveness, how to release judgments, how to break ties with groups or people that led us into sin. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a Bible study. I have two devotional books. Uh, my first book was called Sheep Hear His Voice. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And so to get accustomed to being quiet enough to listen for the Lord. So that kind of gives you a flavor for the different things that are available in my books. Lovely. There's, it sounds, the wisdom that God has given you, the way that you apply it so practically, I'm sure the years of working with people and just being able to explain stuff simply, I love it. I'm so glad that God brought us together to talk today. I am excited to see just how this, these episodes go out there into the world. And I pray 
that God uses them to unleash a sense of hope in people who maybe have felt truly stuck or like there's something wrong with them. Um, and that they'll buy a book or reach out, you know, um, obviously people can't reach out to you for therapy unless they live in your state. Is that correct? Right. Right. That that's unethical in right. my, with my license. Yeah. yeah. I, I can coach anybody in, in the country. Um, but yes. So, so look her up and I'll have all the links in the bio, all the links in the show notes. Okay. You guys to get to her website, to get to, I'll even link your podcast and your YouTube page and all the good stuff. Thank you. Dr. Tony, it has been such a pleasure. Thank you for what you do. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. Friend, you listened all the way through to the end. (laughs) I know enough about podcasts to know that must mean that you liked it. If you did like it, can I just ask you really quick to do a favor? Rate or review this podcast, maybe share it with a friend, maybe text it to them or share it on social media. This content is blessing women and helping them grow. And ultimately, yes, we want to grow the show. We want to grow the community because we want to grow the kingdom of God. You can help us get truth out there by doing any of those things that I just mentioned. And also don't forget to check the show notes. There'll be links to everything that we talked about in today's episode, as well as links to my website directly. If you're interested in Christian life coaching, you can book a free discovery call. If you're interested in having me speak at an event to your women, you can book a free networking call with me and we'll chat. All right, guys, I'll see you next Monday.